With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the NASCAR DFS Ride Show right here on AwesomeO.com. I am Jason Floyd. As you, you see on the screen right now, we got a new guy here on the show. Chris, welcome to Awesome, man. Uh, first off, uh, let everyone know uh, you know a little about, about you and, of course, what you've been doing. Appreciate it, Jason. I'm Chris Pinnell. You probably guys might have seen me over on my own YouTube channel, which is Chris Pinnell. I cover NASCAR every single week. Do some other sports as well, and I just want to thank the Awesome staff for bringing me on. Look forward to it. And, uh, of course, uh, we're here to talk about the NASCAR season uh, series finale 500. Uh, I guess we don't even have a sponsor for this one. But, uh, uh, you know, first off, let's kind of, uh, you know, talk a little roster construction. Uh, you know, Chris, let's start with you, man. How are you, how are you building your lineups for this one? So I was looking at the past six previous optimal lineups here, and for the most part, we're going to see about two to three dominators per lineup. I think in cash games, you're going to want to stick with two just to get some extra PD guys. Because, again, in cash games, if you take a third dominator and that guy doesn't end up dominating – you might end up losing out to a guy that has an extra place differential play. But in tournaments, three dominators, if you nail those three dominators, there's a good chance you can be optimal as long as you, you know, hit your studs and or not your studs, your mid-range plays and your value plays. Phil, how about you, man? How, how are, I know I've read some of the stuff that you've put up there. I've seen some tweets from you this week. Uh, what's kind of your, your thoughts on roster construction? Yeah, uh, for sure. Looking at, at DK um, specifically here, mm-hmm. like, the, the spring race, it was a three-dominator build, and we actually had a fourth dominator in Brad Keselowski, but some weird things happened with him in tor- towards the end of the race. He pitted when he probably really shouldn't have, and it screwed it screwed up where he was going to finish. So, I mean, there may have even been the, the weird possibility that in a 300-plus you know, lap race that we would have had, had four. I, I don't know if that really would have worked with the punt plays, but it was still, it was a three-dominator build. You go back to this race last year, it was a three-dominator build. You go back to the spring race in 2019, it was a two-dominator build, but that was because we had Kyle Larson starting 31st, who finished 6th, and then you had uh, Clint Boyer starting 26th, who finished finished 11th. So you had two place differential guys that were able to fill the void of that third dominator. And then you go back to 2018, it was, I believe, um, if I'm looking at this correctly... Yeah, it was a it was a it was a double dominator, uh, actually a, a, a triple dominator build with uh, Bush, Keselowski, and Harvick as your as your as your dominators. Now, if you look at Fanduel, you're still playing on Fanduel. It's all over the place. We've got three dominator builds. We've got one dominator build. It was just a matter of what crazy things were happening with place differential. So I'm there with Chris and my GPP tournaments. The majority of them, I'm looking for three dominators. But when it comes to cash, I'm getting into and then I'm finding my place differential guys to fill in that void. 
Yeah, yeah, that's always a, a conversation we have of how many dominators you build. You know, you talk about FanDuel. Uh, we talked about this, uh, me and Phil talked about this last week on the show. In terms of FanDuel, I'm a cash games player over there. I, I really don't go toward GPPs. Uh, I think there's some there's some good contests in cash to maximize your, your bankroll. But uh, obviously, I know a lot of people are more on, on the DraftKings side of things. So on DraftKings, I mean, you know, if you, it, what would be your advice to, to our, our listeners and watchers of how many dominators we should go with? Phil, let's start with you, man. Yeah, um, I think it's it's easy to get a two dominator build and go with Jimmy Johnson or William Byron as your third piece, your your kind of higher priced um, place differential guy, and then go on go on from there. You know, oddly in the championship race, DraftKings decided that the two most expensive drivers were going to be guys that can't contend for the for the championship. So thus that pushed the prices of everybody else down. So cash games it's not that tough to get those two dominators plus the the higher price place differential guy in there this week chris what's your what's your thoughts on how you're building your dk lineups i agree so i was just running through some example lineups when i before i got into the show when i was like trying to build a cash game lineup like for example i was like kind of like on a chase elliott keslowski thing then for my third guy i would be more on the william byron jimmy johnson train just like phillips phil said but for tournaments, I'm kind of looking at maybe someone like Kyle Busch starting in eighth, I believe, at around ninety six, ninety eight hundred dollars because that'd be a nice third dominator play in tournaments because of how good he is at Phoenix. So, like in cash games, I'm probably looking at a Byron, and then in GPPs, maybe someone like potentially Blaney's, potentially Kyle Busch. Of course, if you're watching us live right now on YouTube, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. Of course, if you're not subscribed, also hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell when you know a new video is live. Uh, coming up here today on Austin at 1.30 p.m. each time. we got On the Contras. Guys, we'll get you ready for tomorrow's NFL. Then I'll be back at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for MMA Live Before Lock as myself and Pete Rogers Jr. will get you ready for tonight's UFC action. But, of course, we do break down this race in terms of tiers. Tiers 1, 2, 3, and 4. So we'll start off with tier number 1. These are the drivers that are in the 11K and 10K range. On DraftKings, so we got Martin Truex Jr. starting 13th. He's 11-4 on, on DK, 11-5 on FanDuel. Kevin Harvick starting 11th, 11-1 on DK, 12-3 on FanDuel. Brad Kozlowski starting third, 10-8 on DK, 13-5 over on FanDuel. Chase Elliott on the pole, he's 10.6K on DraftKings, 12.5K on FanDuel. Denny Hamlin starting fourth, 10.3K on DK, 13,000 even on FanDuel. And then we got Joey Logano starting second, 10,000 on DK, 13300 Uh Chris, let me start with you, because you mentioned about Joey Logano starting second. Uh, talk to me about that $10,000 price tag on DK in terms of how, how you have broken down this race. So in the pre-show, I know Phil might not agree here, but I do like Joey Logano. He's been super, super good at the short flat tracks this season. I mean, he was he's first in average green flag speed at this track type this year. He's yet to finish outside of the top five at these tracks this year, and if you're looking at similar tracks, Martinsville is kind of similar. It's more unique, but still you can look at Martinsville, Richmond, obviously Phoenix and New Hampshire. And Joey Logano has been very solid each one. He won this race back in March, led 60 laps. And he's just been phenomenal at these track types. And I know people might be worried about, so a lot of people are going to play chase out in the pool. And when people do that, they get afraid of rostering the guy in second place. But we saw back in March, the guy starting in first and second, which was Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick, they combined for 160 laps led. So I don't think that's out of the equation here. Uh, Phil, let's, let's, uh, I guess talk a little about Joey Logano and your thoughts on him in this spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to find a reason not to, not to like Joey, like Chris said, you, you look at the, like the, the five corollary tracks that would be, of course, the, the Phoenix race earlier, you've got New Hampshire, you've gotten the two Martinsville races, and then you've got Richmond. Joey's the only driver in this field that finished in the top five in, in every single race. You go back to to March. He won the he won this race. He had to fight his way from the from the uh, the double digits, much like Fred Keselowski. He found his way there, and ended up uh, w- winning the winning the race. It's my only he- hesitation with with Logano is I really like Chase, I really like Keselowski, mm-hmm. and it's a bit narrative. But I wonder just how much of all of the Joe Gibbs resources are going into Hamlin's team this week considering that he's the only Joe Gibbs driver. So it kind of it it has me wondering in a Hamlin versus Logano scenario, which one of these two is going to be more likely to lead when end up with more with more dominator points. And I I, I don't want to say it's a gut feeling, but I keep finding myself with 
the with the idea that in terms of the of dominator points that Logano is going to be the guy for me that's going to lead that lead the lead the least. But in the end, I mean, and I, I've I've put this all over the the place in articles and on social media. I mean, I'm I'm taking a 60% ownership stake in every single one of the one of these four. I'm going to find a way to get all of these guys in combinations with each other, whether in three dominator or two, two dominator builds. So, I mean, when it comes down to single entry, I'm not going to have Logano. It will probably be Chase and Brad, even though that's probably going to be the chalkiest combination. I just, I really like those two, but for, for multi-mass entry, Logano definitely has to be in your dominator pool this week. So I got to bring up this tweet that you had earlier this week, uh, where Phil said DraftKings pricing, both Martin Truex Jr. and Kevin Harvick, more than any of the four championship drivers is interesting, perhaps more like baffling. Harvick, I get based on the past, but Truex is a hard sell as the most expensive driver this week at 11400 Uh Phil, let me start with you, just kind of uh, your thought process in that. The only, the only reason I can justify these, these prices is place differential. Like DraftKings has decided if you're going to play these drivers, you are paying... 500 to a thousand more than the rest of these guys for, you know, maybe eight, 10 extra place differential spots and true X. I don't see as a, as a likely dominator here, dominator here. And the, the four races since the reconfiguration, he's got a, a, a sick, he's got a sixth and a second, but over those four races, he's only averaging 4.8 uh, laps led with an average running position of, of 8.3. And plus, when you look at his odds, and now these are from Friday morning at, at the DraftKings Sportsbook, his his odds are plus eleven hundred out of everybody in this uh, in this tier. That is the that is the worst. I mean, I can I can definitely make the case for for Harvick. He is the favorite on the DK Sportsbook at, at plus four hundred. He's got nine career career wins here. Ever since the track was reconfigured, he's the only uh, he's one of only uh, of another driver to score four top tens. At 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 a Phoenix since the track was reconfigured. Now his numbers haven't been like dominator wise. They haven't been as good as before the 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 old layout. But still, he's just been he's been so good. And uh, Jordan McAbee of Fantasy Racing Online he he put it this in his article the, the possibility that the four team thought that they were a shoe in like they thought that they were destined because of points to make their way in. So there's a good chance that this car that was prepared for Phoenix has had extra time put it, put into it. And plus, you know, Harvick wants to go out and show that if it wasn't for what happened late in that race, that he could have gone out and won this championship just the same himself. Chris, what's your, your kind of thoughts on the pricing of uh Truex jr. And Harvick. So I'm kind of right with Phil here. I think Truex is a hard pass for me. Like maybe I'll sprinkle him in just maybe a little bit in a hundred fifty lineup builds because you got to remember back here in March, he started from the rear in the field, but he made his way all the way up to first before wrecking out. And he led some laps and he was overall very fast. But again, I just have a hard time seeing him be able to dominate over any of the guys in the final four in Kevin Harvick. So if I'm going to go with any of these guys, I would start with Kevin Harvick. He was great here back in March. He finished second behind Joey Logano. Well, he led 67 laps, which is the third most. He had the second most fast laps. He had an average running position of 2.6 in that race, and he was first in average green flag speed. And, again, I know he's not in the final four, and the narrative is the final four guys are in the top four punch the entire race, but if Kevin Harvick's faster than one of those guys, he's not to pass them. And like, and like I said, he's the favorite in Vegas. So I definitely like Kevin Harvick, and you get some PDF size starting in 11th, and he'd be a decent pairing with one of the guys starting up front as well. Of course, if you're one of our premium subscribers over at awesomeo.com, you can get into our Slack channel, which you can see the race sheets that Phil puts together every week. Also, you can get our ownership projections. You can see where all these guys are projecting their ownership to be. And uh looks like Joey Logano's got some good ownership, uh, so you got to take advantage of that. Of course, if you want to sign up for your Awesomeo Plus weekly pass, you can do that right now by just going to awesomeo.com slash join or right there at the top left-hand side of the screen. You see Awesomeo Plus. Sign up for a weekly pass. For $29.95, they get you full access to all of our premium tools and content we have on the website, such as ownership projections. And if you're just looking for a NASCAR pass for tomorrow's race, you can sign up right now for $9.95, awesomeo.com slash join to sign up for a weekly pass. As I was mentioned, looking at uh, some of the ownership and, and looking at these top drivers, uh, Brad Kozlowski is, is the guy that we're seeing the most. And, uh, I mean, look, we – 
Phil, has there become a point where you look at Truex's ownership and do you kind of start going, okay, maybe I got to sprinkle him in? Like if we're if we're looking at at single single digits here, and let me, and of course I'm logged out. Uh, Jason, what 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 are we looking at with with Truex's uh, ownership numbers right now? Just under fifteen percent. Yeah, if that was in the single if that was in the single digits, then I, I might be a little a little more intrigued. But yeah, I mean it, that's another thing with that eleven four price price tag on on, on DK besides. Truex making his way into the top five or getting to the getting to the lead, you are going to need just that many more dominator points out of him versus the rest of the of the crew. Uh, I think Denny Hamlin is one guy that we haven't really talked about that's in this tier. Uh, you know, starting in the fourth position, Chris. What's what's your thoughts on Denny Hamlin? Well, I'm a little back and forth because overall he has struggled with these track types this season. Overall, in his career, short flat tracks is kind of like his bread and butter. Very, very good. But so far this season, he ranks 15th in average green flag speed at the short flat tracks this year, and only one top 10 finish. And also, that obviously only one top five finish as well. But the one thing that I do like about him is that he's the only JGR car in the championship that's contending for it. So the team should put a dollar in his car and make it pretty fast. And like I mentioned, he does typically crush these short flat tracks and. I don't know. It's just tough because I like Keslowski. I like Logano. I like Kevin Harvick. And I like, I think I said Chase Elliott. So I'm, I might be a little bit lower on Denny Hamlin, but obviously since he's in the final four, I'm going to have exposure to him. But there are some concerns here with the speed he's shown at these track types this season, for sure. Phil, what's your, your thoughts on uh, Denny here? I mean, I'm, I couldn't be more in line with, with Chris. It is, it's odd because I know how good of a short track driver that he is. And I mean, you go back to this race last year, he won, he won the race. He was the top overall, uh, top overall driver, uh, nearly led half of the race. And you look at like, if we just want to shrink this corollary even more to just um, Richmond, New Hampshire, and then the previous Phoenix race, those three races, cause they're all using the, the same, uh, same tire package. Hamlin's leading the second most laps on average at 45.7, 24 fastest laps, but yet he's got the eighth best finish. So, you know, it's, it's, it's odd. Now, of course he didn't lead any laps in this, in this race in the, in the spring. So what he's done has primarily come from that, uh, that New Hampshire race where he led the second most laps behind Brad Keselowski. It's like, I, I can I can make the make the case for why Hamlin should be in your lineups, but when it comes to single entry or three max, I can honestly tell you that he's probably not a, a guy that should be the focus of those lineups. Of course, uh, if you do have any uh, questions for the guys on tomorrow's race, just uh, you can pop those in the YouTube chat. And if you're one of our premium subscribers, do that in our premium NASCAR Slack account. We will get those questions in there as we do go throughout the show. We'll move on to uh, tier number two. These will be the drivers in the 9K and 8K range. We've got Ryan Blaney starting fifth, Kyle Busch starting eighth, Jimmy Johnson 26, Alex Bowman sixth, Kurt Busch seventh, Eric Jones 14th, William Byron 25th, Tyler Reddick 21st. I know, Chris, you talked about William Byron uh, a little while ago. Uh, Ryan Blaney, guys, is a guy that we're, we're projecting as uh, the most owned driver at this point. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's uh by far. Um he is uh he's got about ten percent over Brad Kalsowski. Personally, I could see that end up going to William Byron, to be honest, because I think most people are gonna go with like around two to three guys up top. And I think William Byron's gonna slide. I don't know if Phil agrees with that. Uh, it's it's a whole lot easier to 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 go with that lineup construction. Like if you're mm-hmm. if you're playing around with tit with three guys above the 10k mark, and especially if you are involving Truex and Harvick in your lineups, then I mean you are necessarily forcing yourself down in the punt range and possibly two of those guys. So if you can eliminate one of those three dominators in exchange, saving two thousand dollars for for Byron, that's a lineup construction that a lot of people are gonna are going to say, Hey, that, you know, that's, that looks a lot more aesthetically pleasing than having JJ Yaley and Brennan pool filling out the back end of my lineup. For sure. The uh, driver in this tier that we are right now projecting the lowest owned in this tier, and it's under 5% Alex Bowman. Why do you think everyone is kind of off him this week? Phil, if you want to kick it off. Go ahead, Chris. 
Oh, I go. Okay. So Alex Bowen, personally, I have some notes written here. And I, and my first note, as I said, I said is I hate to say I'm fading someone, but I have a hard time seeing Bowen be optimal. I mean, he's $9,000. He's starting sixth. I don't think he's going to have a bad race here, but overall it's not one of his better tracks and he's going to have to dominate at some point, And he doesn't offer us any PD upside. If like, if he finishes fifth, sure. It's a good race for Bowman. Was that really going to be enough to be optimal? Like there's some other guys in this range that has at least some PD upside. Yeah, I, I think that's the main issue for, for me is that he's starting in a, in a position where he doesn't give you upside, and if he does have upside, it's going to be tied to dominator points. And, I mean, this this historically has not been a track that he has laid down dominator points. Like, if you look, the, the one time that he did it is when he started on the pole filling in for, for, uh, for Dale Jr. a few years back. But uh, uh, of late, his averages are zero laps led and one and a half fastest laps, an average finish of 26 with an average running position of 17.4. 17.4 and that's with a top 10 average starting position. I mean, it it just doesn't it, – it, the, the track doesn't line up. The position doesn't line up. And if, if you try to make a case based on the corollary tracks, I mean, I can somewhat see it. The average finish is 10 out of the, out of the five races, but still – I mean, you, you need something positive out of Bowman at this price. Let me ask you about, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit about William Byron starting 25th, but how about Jimmy Johnson starting 26th in terms of point differential? Chris, what's your thoughts? So personally, I can't see myself going with too much Jimmy Johnson because I feel like he's a very similar play to William Byron. And personally, I like William Byron just a little bit more than Jimmy Johnson. I'd rather get a third dominator in my lineups instead of going at Jimmy Johnson, especially in tournaments. He's fine in cash games. Like he has top 10 ups. I know he had a good finish here back in March. Yeah, finished 12th in March. And if he does that, sure, that's fine. But he just doesn't have the ceiling like a guy that can get up front and dominating. So again, he's safe, but I don't think he's a necessary play this week. Yeah, and the uh, the ownership right now has Jimmy coming in at nearly three times the ownership of of, of Byron, and that's e- that's with nearly a thousand dollars more worth of uh, of salary difference on on DraftKings. Like, I, I made this point in the the cash portion of the of the article. I don't know why you would spend a, nearly a thousand dollars more for Johnson when when Byron's probably got the exact same upside, and I mean. Johnson, you just don't know what's going what's going on because it has been all of these finishes in the 30s to close out the season. And of course, narrative would say that this will be the race that that he wins. But God, just the place that he and that 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 team are at, and we know that pra- that practically every uh, resource at Hendrick is go- has gone to that 19 this week. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I know they're both Hendrick drivers, but God, give me the one that's cheaper. I mean, they're pretty similar priced on, on FanDuel. They're only three hundred dollars uh, difference, but you know, is it still William Byron no matter what? God, I, I think just for the sake of momentum, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with with Byron over over Johnson. And you know, you you look at Johnson's finishes here since the the reconfiguration: twelfth, fourth, fourteenth, eighth, and fifteenth. So no finish worse than worse than fifteenth. While Byron. 10, 17, a 24th and a, and a ninth. So, you know, they're, they're almost practically the, the, the same driver. And let me look over here at FanDuel. Yeah. We've got Jimmy at 26.3 and William coming in at, at 14. So once again, it looks like the, the crowd is, is taking Jimmy and his swan song. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, you know you got Kyle and Kurt uh, starting next to each other seventh and eighth. Uh, Chris, let me get your thoughts on the bushes here, and uh, do you like either one of them this spot? I would say I like Kyle a lot more than Kurt. I mean, Phoenix has been an awesome track for Kyle Busch. Now I know this season he hasn't really been much of a dominator, but I mean he's really been the goat here in recent years. He ranks first in every single statistical category here, and by a good margin, the past six races he finished third here back in March. Now he didn't dominate, which is a common theme this season. He has not really dominated many tracks this year, but I mean still starting at eighth and ninety six hundred, the price is nice, and he's got top five upside. And I mean I don't really see him dominating, but if something happens on pit road strategy wise, he could end up getting in front and getting some laps and at ninety six hundred, that'd be enough to get the job done. But for as, as for Kurt Busch. I mean, he's he, he's like in a tough position because he usually starts where he's going to finish and he just doesn't offer us much upside. And I feel like he's a bit overpriced this weekend. So I'm probably out on Kurt, except for maybe a couple of lineups and GPPs. What's your thoughts, uh, Phil? Yeah, 
Kyle is the 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 the, the buy low driver this week with the you know it's the it's the narrative that he needs practice um you know he hasn't he hasn't done the, done well the, this year but i mean if you're if you're looking for for any kind of corollary when when Kyle has laps that that plays into his favor and he generally performs performs better and when he returns back to a track that he has uh, race notes at he generally he generally does better kind of like what we just uh, witnessed at Texas a couple of weeks ago yeah like Chris said, Kyle's been fantastic here. The first two races after the reconfiguration, he won those. His his other two finishes have been a second and a third. Uh, you know, Kyle's. Pro- I don't know. Like if maybe in single entry, he's that that third dominator that you add to one of the one of mm-hmm. your, your 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 top your top guys, just because of how good he's been and how good he could he could be here. Um, and, and quite frankly, he's he's underpriced considering that that track history the other uh driver in this year we have not mentioned is tyler raddick he is starting 21st 8100 on dk 7600 on Fanduel. so you know you gotta go to phil because uh, we, we know phil is uh he, he you know we, we know how much you love tyler raddick number one in my heart um tyler is on is in this weird area where i i think he's per- preferred because of his $8,100 salary on DraftKings. I think he's preferred for tournaments, but like if you wanted to make the case to play him in cash, I wouldn't dissuade you from that. You know, we only have one, one race here in the Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Series for, for Tyler. And it doesn't look good just in the box score because he started 29th, but he finished 33rd. But, I mean, in that race... Tyler was riding around the wall. He was laying down fast, fast laps. In fact, he laid down uh, 39 in, in, in that race. It's one of the, one of the weirder stats that you'll see is that somebody could have 39 fastest laps, but not a, a single uh, lap led. He, he knew what he was doing, getting his way around. And throughout that race, I remember telling myself, I think he's being a little too aggressive and eventually he was too aggressive and he cut down a, cut down a tire. Um, you look at the, his average running position in that race it was a 13.7. So, I mean, he was solidly a top 15 driver picking up those fastest laps. That's a guy, a little more experience, a little more knowledge of what to do and what not to do here at this track in that car that I want to buy back in on. Chris, what's your uh, thoughts on Tyler Reddick? My exact thoughts, because I wanted to bring up of how exactly fast he was at Phoenix. Like Phil mentioned, he had 39 fast laps, and that was the third most. But you got to keep in mind, he didn't run the full race. He only ran 260 laps. So who knows what that could have been. Like having the third most fast laps, only running 260 laps, and not even being a dominator, like getting up front leading laps, that was very impressive from Tyler Reddick. And having a race under his belt there, I think he's like a very, very strong tournament play. And I do think a lot of people are going to play William Byron, especially in cash games or in just tournaments in general. So I think Reddick is a very nice pivot off of Byron. You can play both, but I do think Reddick will be lower owned than William Byron. This is a NASCAR DFS strategy show right here on awesomeo.com. Of course, if uh, you're unable to watch us live, this show is a part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. Go to awesomeo.com, get to links to where you can listen to the show on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. We really do appreciate that. And of course, if you have any questions, leave those right now in the chat. We'll get to those at the end of the show. And of course, every day over at awesomeo.com, we do have free premium content. The free premium content today is NFL rankings and the MMA top fighters tool. So check that out. Moving on to tier number three, this will be the drivers in the 7K and 6K range. So we got uh, Clint Boyer starting ninth, Eric Amarola starting 10th, Matty D starting 12th, Austin Dillon starting 18th, Christopher Bell 17th, Chris Buescher 31st, Bubba Wallace 23rd, Cole Custer 15th, Matt Kenseth 16th, Ryan Newman 19th, Michael McDowell 29th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 20th, and Ty Dillon 22nd. Chris, let me start with you. Uh, who, who is a dri- out of all these drivers, does one of them stick out to you? Kind of like Eric Amarola in tournaments at 7,800. He's actually just pretty good at Phoenix. Now, his starting position makes it a little bit rough here to trust it, but 
I mean, he has five top 10 finishes recently at Phoenix. He finished eighth here back in March, and he was seventh in green flag speed. And in this tire combination, he's actually been surprisingly fast, sixth fastest green flag speed-wise in this tire exact tire combination. And I think he's a very similar play to Clint Bohr, who he's starting up beside his teammate. But I like Eric Armel in tournaments at this price tag. What's your thoughts on uh, Amarillo there, uh, Phil? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a definitely a, a strong GPP play. Like Chris said, he's been very good here. At, at Phoenix over the over the short term or the long term, you look at what he's what he's done in the 750 horsepower package at at shorter uh, shorter tracks. Four top tens out of the out of the five races. Average finish of of a 12.6. He's been he's been solid. But like Chris said, I mean, starting tenth, there's not that much place differential to milk out of that. So, in order for him to be that much of a better play. Like if you're looking for a pivot off of, off of Reddick or off of Dylan and, and bell uh, below him, you're going to, you're going to need Almirola to find some access to some fastest laps in order to boost that, that score versus these guys who have access to place differential. As you look at all, all these drivers in the seven K and six K range on DK, is there a buyer beware on a driver? Phil, let's start with you, man. Oh, I, I, I don't know how popular he's going to, he's going to be, but God, I, I have no trust in Matt Kenseth. I, th- I think Matt is just sailing off into the, into the sunset at, at this point. I mean, it's rare that a driver gets a, gets a second re- retirement party. <laughs> Let's see here. What is Matt? Yeah. I mean, last week at Richmond, he, not, not Richmond at, uh, at Martinsville, he finished 14th, but everything before that was 39th, 40th, 30, 34th. Um, yeah, and plus starting starting sixteenth. I mean, I can I can find a whole litany of guys that that I prefer. Um, a guy that I don't have highlighted for cash or GPP is Bubba. He's he's at a weird salary at seven K, considering that he's starting twenty third. You figure that DraftKings would have made that made that salary just a little bit a little bit lower. Uh, he does have a have a 10th place finish here in the very first race at Phoenix since the reconfiguration, but everything's been like 19th, 22nd, 20, 25th. It, it really feels like Bubba is destined to finish where he, where he starts. Chris, what about you, man? Is there, is there a driver here that uh, maybe you just find yourself not having a ton of shares in? Matt Kenseth, I exactly agree with Phil. Like, just my notes section, I just have pass written. Like, I'm not going to play Matt Kenseth here. And really, this is a weird price range because most of these guys, I think, are just straight tournament plays. I think there's one cash game play, and that's really just Chris Busher at 7,200 since he's starting 31st. I mean, he finished seventh here back in March. He's got four top 20 finishes that passed uh, six races here. I'm not expecting a lot out of Chris Buescher, but with everyone else in this price range, they're all starting pretty high up or they're just a little bit overpriced, and he's really the only one that offers us Save PD upside for the most part. Yeah, what I do is I just take a black sharpie. I just cross them all. I say, nope, yeah. not not rostering that person. I have no interest in that person. <laughs> um, you know, in terms of some ones that maybe do stick out to you that we you, that haven't been mentioned, uh, Chris, is, is there somebody in this tier that I mean, obviously you mentioned about Amarillo and, and the upside in GPP, but is there somebody whether it's GPP or cash that you do think has good upside? I'm going to stick to GPPs here. I think Clint Boyer and MDB both make some decent tournament plays here. Now, again, they're starting a little bit higher up than I'd like them, but I, you can make a case for them. Some MDB, he's seventh in average green flag speed here, and not here, in this tire combination this year. And Penske seems to have these short flat tracks down. Now, I know he's not completely on Team Penske, but with Wood Brothers, he pretty much is, with Joey Logano, Keselowski, and Ryan Blaney. They've been very fast at these tracks. And Clint Boyer, again, starting a little bit too high here, but he's really good at these track types, and he finished fifth back here in March. And it's also his last pure race, if you guys like a good narrative. Phil, what about you, man? Uh, I don't know how much of a stepping out on a limb it is, but I, I think I'm going to find myself with a bit more Cole Custer than the, than the field. Like we've seen him once here at, at Phoenix. And that was, he started 16th in the, in the spring, finished, finished ninth, ended up with uh, 42 DraftKings points, 70.6 fan, fan duel points. Uh, you look at the corollary, corollary tracks. He's got two, um, he's got two top tens. Of course, one of those was, was here at Phoenix. And I believe the other one was at New Hampshire, uh, four top 15s. Everybody priced below looking here. Yeah, practically everybody priced below Matt D, uh, Matty D. He's got a better average finish in the corollary track than than everybody else. You know, starting fifteenth, there there's a there, there's a big wonder about just 
what his ceiling is. And the, the hope is with that depressed price at 6900 that he's starting forward enough and that he has the car and the skill that he can hang around that 10th to 15th place position all day, stay on the lead lap, outscore these guys because they get put a lap or two uh, down. And then maybe by the end of the race, because you know, this has tended to be a bit more of a, of a caution-filled race, and perhaps with a late caution, he can get on the preferred groove and sneak his way into the top 10. In terms of uh, point differential in, in this tier, you got Michael McDowell starting 29th, Chris Buescher starting 31st. Are, are they in your, your thought process in terms of GPP? Phil, we'll start with you, man. They're, they're definitely uh, uh, cash game cash game plays. Like These are your, probably your, your safest plays in, in, in this tier just because of their, their place differential. And we saw in the in the spring that both of these guys were were top top twenty drivers. So I mean, if they can give you another top twenty finish, that that's really all you need for for cash. For for tournaments, uh, I think like I, I it, it's weird. Like just because of that place differential, it's hard to get off of McDowell at that salary because you go up. There's you know you look at Custer Kenseth. Newman, you can add Bubba to that. Nobody else is starting nearly this far back and has just that built-in floor with them. And then you go underneath McDowell in this range. You've got you've got Stenhouse and you've got you've got Ty Dillon. Really, the only kind of play right here that I see competing with McDowell, just points-wise, is possibly Stenhouse. And you know, Stenhouse is going to need something near like a, a tenth-place finish in order to uh, to to reach that. Of course, so let's move on to tier number four. This will be the drivers that are in the 5K and 4K range on DraftKings. We've got Ryan Pierce starting 24th, Daniel Suarez 30th, John Hunter Nemechek 27th, Corey LaJoy 28th, Garrett Smithley 39th, J.J. Yelly 32nd, Joey Gase 37th, Josh Balicki 38th, Timmy Hill 33rd, Brennan Poole 35th, Quinn Hoff 34th, and James Davidson number 36. I know we got a, a question about uh, Corey LaJoy about maybe taking a flyer on him, but uh, we'll tell you uh, what. Yeah, I think, yeah, Corey LaJoy will be, is he right now projected highest ownership in this tier? Chris, I'll start with you, man. I could see that. I mean, my first reaction on Corey LaJoy, like, is he a good play? I mean, maybe he's got top 25 upside, but he's only 5,300. I just think he's a little bit underpriced. I think he's right beside Garrett. Who's he right beside? Uh, right above Garrett, Garrett Smithley, Smith. Yaley Gase. Like he shouldn't be. He should be a little bit more expensive than that. And he's shown upside so far this season. I mean, it's just top twenty-five, top twenty-five upside for. I mean, really, really cheap just to fit in those dominators. Phil, what's your thoughts on Corey LaJoy? Yeah, I mean, depending on what you're what you're doing with your top two dominators in in cash. And then your your debate about Jimmy versus versus Byron, you may find yourself down here with uh, trying to punt to to fill your last cash spot. And if that's Lejoy, I mean, that that's that's fine. You you don't have to worry. I don't think you have to worry about him falling back into the into the thirties. He's probably a a twenty fourth through a, a through a twenty eighth place place driver. But but that's why you're playing him is that he's he's underpriced. Four K on Fanduel, fifty three hundred on. On, on DraftKings, yeah, he gives you place differential, although probably not that much, but he he he, he saves you money. The uh, one of the uh, drivers that uh, we mentioned last week here on the show, Phil and Chris, you we can talk about him here as well, and that is uh, Quinn Hoff once again seeing notable ownership. So you want to explain this one to me? Do do people have him confused with somebody else? Quint, like, I, I, I don't. This, okay, maybe it's the salary at forty at forty six hundred. And if this was a Richmond or a Martinsville race, then that would make a lot more sense. When you're just trying to jam in salary, and this guy's forty six hundred. Yeah, qu- quite frankly, I don't think you really. I don't think you need Quinn House, especially with him starting thirty fourth. I mean, if you are below five k and you're needing some salary relief, I, I think I'd much rather play Brennan Poole than 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 Mr. Half. Uh, Davison, I'm just gonna take the, give him the give him the nod wave. This will be the first time that he's seen Phoenix, so 
I don't know what the uh, what the Indy driver is going to think of when when he lays down his his first laps here, and especially if he's in the the fifty three this week, then that just makes him even uh, that more unlikable. Chris, what's your what's your thoughts on uh, what we're seeing ownership wise on, on Hoff here? Well, I'm going to be honest. What I do every single week is if, if it's not a super speedway, I just exit all of these guys out. So below Corey Joy, I just don't play them because I have I looked through all the 2020 optimal lineups. It's on my spreadsheet. Besides super speedways, they have not made one optimal lineup this year. So just to keep it simple, I exit them out. And if people ask me about them, I just say I don't play them. <laughs> I, I think Phil, I think Phil had the, the best line a couple of weeks ago. He says, if you're down in this tier, you might want to start over. You might want to yep. start your roster construction over. Yep. But I mean, is there? I mean, is there anyone who you think is underpriced in this tier? Oh man, I mean, so for looking at Brennan Poole, he at least finished thirty first here before, and he's starting thirty fifth, forty seven hundred. Maybe it gets you like one of those three of those final four drivers, and if they all dominate at some point, and a pool just isn't absolutely awful and wrecks out of the race, maybe it works out. But I just can't really see anything optimal because they just don't have upside really. What's your thoughts, Phil? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 really it. Is you're you're, you're painting a, a a picture here with your with your lineup, and it's you're saying that these expensive guys are all gonna take up, you know, twenty five thirty plus percent of the of the dominator points. So therefore, you you need one of these one of these cheaper guys uh, in there. You know, it, I can kind of, sort of, half-heartedly make a case for for JJ Yaley. Uh, he's got back-to-back finishes in the in the top thirty. I mean, that's nothing. That's nothing to scream about, especially for a driver starting starting thirty second. And you've got a little bit of narrative because this is this is his official unofficial hometown track. So, I mean, at least there's something there in the history-wise with Yaley, with Yaley to say that he can possibly finish with the top thirty. And I mean, if we if we just want to look at um, at the at the previous race, Joey Gase started. Um, well, he finished. He ended up finishing 29th, and now he starts 30 37th. So he's got a little bit more place differential than than what than what Yaley has. I mean, once again, it's don't go heavy heavy on these guys. The first lineups that I started building this morning in 20 max, I ended up with 50% Brandon Poole, and I immediately trashed the whole thing. You know. And, and quite frankly, I've, I've played around with, with Fantasy Cruncher a lot this morning, and I just could not get the stupid rules to do what I wanted. So I, I foresee tomorrow morning going to be a lot of hand-building. <laughs> of course, uh, if you do have any uh, questions, be sure to fire those up right now, whether it's here on YouTube or in our premium Slack account. Of course, uh, this is a NASCAR DFS strategy show. And, of course, uh, be sure to sign up right now for NFL Weekly Pass Express Pass for three ninety five, this gives you everything you need for NFL Showdown single game contest formats. You get access to Osmo Showdown single game player projections, ownership projections, top place tool, and so much more. Sign up right now at Osmo.com slash join. Get an NFL Weekly Express Pass for three ninety five. Of course, also uh, be sure to check out Odd Shopper while you're there as well. And of course, all the free premium content we have there every day, as I mentioned. NFL rankings and MMA top fighters tool is our free premium content up today. Come up here at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be on the contrary. They will get you ready for tomorrow's NFL action. Then myself and Pete Rogers Jr. will be on at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for MMA Live Before Lock. But let's get into uh, the listener questions, guys. Uh, first off, uh, Kay says, when it comes to lineup construction, do you want more point differential or dominator heavy? Chris, we'll start with you, man. It totally depends on the track. Like, if we're at Martinsville, dominators, 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 like we were last week. If it's a super speedway, straight place, place differential. At Phoenix here, we have 312 laps, so we're kind of in the middle. So, I mean, it just has to be an even balance, like two to three dominators per lineup. If you're in cash, playing cash, you want two dominators and focus on place differential. If you're in tournaments, you can go a little bit more top-heavy and take some risk down low. But it's kind of just like in the middle of this week where you need to find a nice even balance. What's your thoughts, uh, Phil? Yeah, I mean, with with 312 laps, we're 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 really in the in the middle. Like, you can make the case for two, you can make the case for three. I, I think this really boils down to how you've seen this this race uh, playing playing itself out tomorrow, and just how caution happy that it that it gets. But like Chris said, very minimum, you're gonna you're gonna need two, but at the max, you're probably just looking at three. 
Uh, John asks, best contrarian play on FanDuel. Ooh. So I was just, I just, I was just took a peek as I knew that was going to be the next question. So I was looking at ownership and just looking at high price drivers. And Joey Logano is the lowest. Uh, you know, he's under fifteen percent. So that was kind of maybe where I was leaning. Of maybe it is Joey Logano as a contrarian play just because of what we're seeing ownership wise. Okay, I, I've I've got mine, and this this really surprises me. Um, at fifty five hundred. We've got Ryan Priest projected on FanDuel for just 2.6% ownership. Uh, Priest, dis- despite his his flaws, when it comes to this sort of sort of venue, he's been he's been remarkably uh, remarkably good. Four out of these uh, five corollary races, he has a top a top 20 finish. Now that average finish is sitting at 19.8, but I mean compared to compared to everybody else, he feels like the the most likely out of Dylan Suarez, Hunter, LaJoy, Stenhouse, all of these guys to actually work his way into the top 20, if not maybe the top 15, and fight and keep his keep his position. Chris, what's your thoughts? I totally agree with Ryan Priest. I'm surprised. What did you say, around 2%? 2.6. Yeah, four top 20 finishes of these tracks this season. Fish, finished 18th mm-hmm. back here in March. I mean... Yeah, at that price tag, yeah, I definitely like Ryan Priest. And you mentioned Joey Logano is pretty uh, low on over in there as well. And I like him quite a bit on DraftKings too. And he's been the fastest driver here at um, short flat tracks this season. He won back here in March. I mean, if he's going to be really low, and I definitely don't mind being overweight on Joey Logano. Uh, next question comes from Amanda. Says, I always have to dumpster dive. So who's the last driver y'all pick on cash games? Corey LaJoy for me. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you go lower than than fifty three hundred on DraftKings DraftKings cash, you are just you're opening up a, a hole in your floor. Uh, Amanda also asks, says, uh, do you guys think Kyle Busch will try to repay Harvick for the love tap, or will he let it go? Uh, that that is the buried lead from 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 last week. Because I mean, God, what would have what would have NASCAR have have done if Eric Jones had passed? Denny Hamlin late in that race and Harvick dumps Kyle on the last turn and forces this weird forces this weird three-way split I mean it, it just would have been all sorts of chaos for for NASCAR I quite frankly I don't think Kyle cares I mean he's not in the championship the move didn't cost him the championship the move really didn't cost Harvick the the championship because Harvick had been running so poorly all, all day I, I think it's just probably bygone yeah, Kyle's not really a dirty racer. I know people don't like him, but, I mean, he's, he's a respectable driver. Uh, next up, R. Stanley says, since I'm a big Chase Elliott fan, should he be my most owned dominator? Sure. <laughs> I mean, he's on the pole. He's got clean air to work with him. He led the most laps here back in March. I mean, again, you got clean air, which has been huge in NASCAR this season. I mean, I'm all for Chase Elliott. He just dominated a short flat track this last weekend. He's been very super fast at these types of tracks so far this season and second overall green flag speed. I mean, you can make so many cases for Chase Elliott this week. Uh, Phil. Yeah. La- the last three optimals here at, at Phoenix, the, the pole sitter has, has been in them all. And in fact, the last four races the, since the reconfiguration, if I'm looking at the laps led data page, right? Yeah. The, uh, the pole sitter has either led the most laps or the second most laps here at Phoenix. I mean, Chase, he's in a really good position. We know that he's done fairly well in this in this package. I mean, crap, we just go back to this most recent race here. He was in the same position starting on the pole, and I do believe, yeah, he led the most laps that day at 93 with 60 fastest laps. Do you look at, at Chase and Brad as maybe one of the most popular combos tomorrow? I I think that just in like a in a dual dominator build that that's probably going to be the, the highest owned combo on, on DraftKings. What's your thoughts, Chris? That's exactly right. If I'm building one lineup, I'm starting with Brad Keselowski and Chase Elliott. Because one, I'd like to play Joey Logano, but I know it's worked out in the past, but starting with the guys that start one and two, it does feel a little bit weird. So you get that one extra place differential spot with Keselowski. And I think dominator than Brad Keselowski be the second dominator later on in the race. I mean, since you kind of bring it up there, I know we have a lot of single entry players that, that do watch or, or listen to the show. I mean, is, is Chris, your thought is if you're single entry, that's where you start and then you just build from there? 
That's what I'm leaning right now. Keselowski and Chase Elliott. What about you, Phil? That's that's exactly where, where I'm at. I mean, we haven't talked about it too much, but if you just look at Phoenix, New Hampshire, Richmond, Brad's averaging 152.7 laps led in the in these three races. I mean, and Brad Brad told everybody he he, he gave away the, the the cheat code. He told everybody on Sunday, "I am bringing that car from New Hampshire and Richmond to this race." So, God, I, I want to have 100% Brad Keselowski to tomorrow. Yeah, I saw your your uh, article where you embedded that that tweet into your article. I, I know this is a question that we we talked about a little earlier, just because uh, we got a question now about I want to bring it back up of uh, you know William Byron versus Jimmy Johnson and uh, Chris. I know you kind of talked about this a lot. I'll let you you start uh, kind of rehash what you, what you said a little earlier in the show. So I think the big thing is he's about a thousand dollars cheaper, and I feel like there's the same exact play. They're in similar equipment, so why not just take the salary savings with William Byron? and make a more balanced lineup. He's got an average green flag speed rating of 12.2 at these similar tracks this season. He finished 10th here back in March. And short flat tracks are very good for William Byron, one of his best track types in his uh, the past like 10 races we've ran here, or similar tracks. I don't know, Phil, if there's anything else. I know we touched on that earlier. If there's something else you wanted to, to bring up about this topic. No, it, it's just how it's, – it's weird just how similar Jimmy and Byron have been of, of late here at, at Phoenix and throughout this, throughout this year, like there's only three positions that separate their average finish over the last four races. You look at the corollary tracks this year, Jimmy's got an average finish. I was just looking at, yeah, average finish of 19th while William has an average finish of 17th. Um, looking at the, the fastest laps, they're pretty similar. Same thing for, for laps led. I mean, they, it feels like they're essentially the, the, the same driver, just separated by 20 years worth of, of age difference. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why you pay a 1000 bucks more for, for one than the other. And, of course, if you've got a question for Phil or Chris, you can hit up, up in our premium Slack account if you're one of our subscribers or hit them up on Twitter as well. They will get back to you. Of course, uh, come up here in about uh, 40 minutes from now. we got On the Contrary as the guys will get you ready for tomorrow's NFL action. And then at 5.30, it'll be MMA Live Before Lock. So that is going to do it for this edition of the NASCAR DFS Strategy Show right here at awesome.com. <laughs>